All right, welcome back to Bacon Wrap Business. This is Brad Costanzo, and if this is your first time listening to the show, welcome. Virtual high five to you. Um, today's going to be an awesome show because we're talking about Facebook advertising strategies with really a guy who's known as the leading Facebook marketing strategist in the world, especially for lead generation, especially for thought leaders, experts, marketers, consultants, etc., named Nick Kuzumich. And you're going to meet him in just a moment, but before we do get going, I did something uh, recently that was on the show that was a big hit, uh, at least for me it was, and that's just asking you to send me an email with the, your favorite book, ideally a nonfiction, inspirational, or ideally a business book that you've read that's made a big um, impact on your life or career, and uh, need a, another book to read, and I'm, I'm compiling this, so I'll send it out to you soon, but uh, send me an email to askbrad at Bacon Rat Business, maybe just subject line book, and tell me a, a great book that you love. You don't have to put anything but the title of the book, maybe your name in it, and um, Obviously, I mean, if you have any other business questions or challenges you're trying to overcome, shoot me that as well, as well as any other guests that you think might be awesome for me to have. I don't care how big they are. Who, um, who is it that you would love to sit down with and listen to and maybe even shoot over a handful of questions? But uh, you can send those over to askbrad at baconratbusiness.com. Just pull out your iPhone, shoot it over. I read every single one of them, and I appreciate it. Um, so that being said, I want to bring on Nick, and the reason I'm asking Nick to be on the call is because he is uh, he's the founder of Nicholas Kuzmich. You're going to have to go to the show notes for that, .com, and the Alliance Group. He does Facebook uh, ad marketing for some of the top people in the world. I mean, he's worked with people like Tony Robbins and Robin Sharma and uh, a lot of other folks that are just really veritable badasses. And I've already done the interview, so I know that it was awesome and you're going to get a lot out of it. More importantly, you're going to hear me ask very specific questions about things that I want to know that I can go out and use. So we are not going to be going over anything, any basic Facebook advertising. Plus, he's going to dive deeper into the entire uh, Facebook marketing strategy. It's going to go beyond Facebook and what happens when they land on your page. And uh, he actually opened my eyes to a couple things. So you're going to want to listen really closely. Uh, that being said, let me bring on Nicholas Kuzmich. All right, Nick, welcome to Bacon Wrap Business. How are you? Dude, I'm having a wonderful day. It could be a little bit better if I was in Southern California, specifically downtown San Diego. But uh, West Side. West Side. I'm, I'm making do here in, in Toronto. Nice. Nice. Yeah, it's uh, it's springtime up there. It's about to get nice. You know, I've actually, I've been to Canada, but I've never been to Toronto, and I heard amazing things about it. So yeah, Toronto is beautiful um, if you can come on the four good days of the year that we have. <laughs> so why do you, you got family up there? Is that where you grew up? Uh, well, I mean, we've been born and raised here, and we do. We are like prideful Canadians, and so obviously we love the country. Our winters get a little bit cold and snowy, and our and our summers get a little bit hot and humid. But honestly, this year has been been pretty good. Nothing to complain about. We were watching what's happening in some of the northern states and how bad they got it. So. Uh, I think I think this whole El Nino or whatever else is going on in the world is is working in our favor so far. So I'm in it for the long game. Exactly. Well, you know, if you ever break out of this corporate rat race, I mean, you can put in for vacation <laughs> from your job and ask the boss if he'll give you a couple of days to come out here to Southern California. You, have you ever lived that life? Uh, we're working on it. We're figuring out. Fortunately, my boss is my wife now, exactly. and so it's actually worse than working the corporate life. Did you Did you ever do the corporate life? Or did you ever have the job? I tried um, once or twice. Uh, Sucks, doesn't it? Yeah, just it, I mean, again. I think I just part of it is I. I mean, I probably work harder and more now with my own stuff than that stuff. But I mean, I wouldn't trade it for the world for sure. Yeah, and I, I completely agree. I, uh, I don't miss the days where you had like, oh my gosh, how much, how many more vacation days can I take this year? It's not yeah. a fun place to be. Right. Yeah. So, no. so as I mentioned in the. Um, in the introduction, I mean, you are the, I mean, not just the Facebook gangster, <laughs> you are, uh, but I mean, you, you are well known as like the top strategist out there for lead generation, especially with Facebook. I mean, do you actually, do you actually dabble in uh, any of the other channels very much besides Facebook or have you just like mastered that and made it your bitch? 
Yeah, no, that's a great question. Like, so literally, uh, probably four or five years ago, we we took a risk to like quadruple down on Facebook. We had a feeling that it was going the way it was. It was a bit of a gamble, although I mean, obviously, Facebook was the was a, a big player. Um, but yeah, we just doubled and tripled down and said this is this is it, and hopefully, it works out. And fortunately, it did swing in our favor. So uh, that is the only thing we do. Um, in terms of the platform we choose to operate our strategies and our principles on, but we are looking kind of bigger at direct response marketing on social platforms, and technically it's essentially applicable on any social platform. Yeah, it really is. Um, how, uh, how did you get into this? Like, how long, what's your, what's your backstory in that? Yeah, it's kind of like a total mistake, to be honest with you. Mm-hmm. Um, I, way back when, as far as I can remember, you know, in a land far, far away, um, I had an info product in the weight loss space that was written under a pen name because I was ashamed to attach my name to it. My first info product was under a pen name as well. Yeah, so I, uh, you know, and, and back then it was like popular, right? There yeah. was like David D'Angelo instead of Evan Pagan, and there was all these other guys doing their thing, and Rich Jerk was out back then, and no one knew who Kelly Felix was, and <laughs> so like all this stuff was going on. Um, so I'm like, okay, I'm gonna have a weight loss product, uh, and I'm gonna do it under a pen name, so no one knew it was associated with me. And I was late to the internet marketing game. Um, you know, this is when Google was the 800 pound gorilla. Google PPC was where it was at. Uh, and, and I had, when I first kind of heard about them, all I heard was they like to slap people. I didn't know what that meant. I, I just heard like all of these like animal names and, <laughs> and, and slaps. Like that's all I knew. Penguin so I thought, slap, right? Yeah, exactly. yeah. Penguin, panda, all this other, all, I, back then I don't even remember what it was. When but animals attack. The, you're in trouble. When animals attack. And the the problems are connected to animal names. I know you know when you're in trouble. So I literally heard these stories of like, God, people losing their businesses overnight because of, you know, some sort of an algorithm change or, or they deciding that, you know, if you're not spending a gazillion dollars a month on, on Google PPC, then you couldn't play in that game. So I was like, whoa, I'm not going to do this. Um, what other alternatives do I have? And at that time, Facebook kind of just came – Facebook advertising had just come out of beta. They had their little itty-bitty right-hand column ads. And uh, at the same time, Plenty of Fish had just released their advertising platform. Um, and they had collected all this user data from obviously all the people who were registering to go on this dating site. And we decided to jump two feet in into both and see which one would kind of take us where we wanted to go. I was looking for a place to buy true true traffic, if you will, yeah. um, with advertising platforms that were highly targeted. Um, and then very quickly, we saw Facebook go up and to the right. And we saw, you know, plenty of fish from an advertising standpoint, at least go, da- you know, down into the right. So that's when we jumped two feet in and said, okay, Facebook is, is where we're going to play. Unfortunately, you know, we made some good decisions. We made some good contacts. Maybe the universe was swinging in our favor. We had first movers advantage, whatever it be. We were able to, uh, you know, elevate our game uh, pretty high on it and, and play with some key players. So, so it's, so it's been you, fun. So did you kind of start off then really just jumping into, like, how quickly did you get into client work as opposed to just doing stuff? You know, uh, yeah, yeah, great question. So it all started with our own stuff and putting our own money on the line, obviously. Mm-hmm. Um, and that led to conversations where we'd be talking with people and everyone was like trying to jump on the Facebook bandwagon back then. Um, and the conversations would literally go like this. It'd be like, hey, Brad, how are you? And so on. Um, so yeah, we've been trying out this Facebook thing and we just can't crack the code. And I'm thinking, and, and my side of it, it's like, damn, well, we're really making it work. Uh, this is surprising to me. I thought everyone was making it work. And I'd have conversation after conversation after conversation of people who were trying, quote, unquote, Facebook um, and not making it work. Meanwhile, here we are making it work. So at that point, I decided to sell um, – that makes it sound grandier than it is. We, we sold the assets of this information product to uh, a larger weight loss company. Um, and then I decided to move into the quote unquote consulting space like everybody else. Dude, um, that's we- exactly. I sold my first info product yeah. into consulting space. <laughs> there you go. It's well, the path. It's yep. the way to go. Well, God forbid you actually do something and get a success and experience before you hold yourself out as a consultant, right? <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, that doesn't seem to be the path these days. Everybody's a coach and a consultant these days. Um, but I'm glad that I said I put my own money on the line and I figured this out for me before I did it for anybody else. And so, yeah, the info product turned into consulting practice, which then the conversations turned into, well, by golly, that just seems too confusing for us to implement. Would you do it for us? 
um, which is the kind of birthed the agency side of things. And then we moved into a 100% agency model until about 18 months ago. And now we have kind of a consultancy agency model where you know about 70% of the business is the agency and about 30% is kind of the consultancy work that we do. Very cool. So tell me about the type of clients you typically work with. Um, because you, know, you are known as the you know, master of lead generation. What kind of leads? I mean, is it, have you found a sweet spot, whether it's working with other consultants and coaches and experts and knowledge workers and professional services, or, um, is it, is a little bit all over the road or you try to kind of keep it focused on one or two market segments? Yeah, so I tried to stay where I was comfortable and at that space as a consultant and as a past like recovering information marketer, mm-hmm. I figured that's a space I know, let's start there. Um and so early on in the game, I'd say 80 or 90% of our business was built on the backs of thought leadership. Okay. Um or as Brendan Burchard so coinly, you know, termed expert space. Um, so we built a lot of our business around the expert space and it just kind of fit our model well because we knew the space. We were information workers at a time. We knew the game of lead generation. We knew how to reach people in that space. And that's kind of where it all started. And then, uh, but I don't know, maybe a year ago, just less than a year ago, um, the whole like Amazon selling machines and e-commerce and that sort of thing started to take off and people started getting really heavy into that space. Um, and then naturally, I guess because people knew that we did some good work in the Facebook's world, um, they started coming to us and say, hey, well, can you help us? And my early answer was, I don't know, but I'm willing to try if you are. Uh, and then we started getting into a little bit of the e-com physical product space. Um, and I would say about now, maybe 25% of our clientele would fit into that category and slowly growing. So uh, we're probably best known in the thought leadership slash information slash expert space with a slow kind of growing contingent in the e-com space now. Very cool. Now, you've, uh, you've worked with some really influential, big business, big thought leaders. Um, I mean, everybody, like I'm on your website right now, and I know, you know, everybody from like the Tony Robbins and Joe Polish and Robin Sharma, Dean Graciosi, and a lot of folks that are household names to a lot of people. How did you, how did you leapfrog, you know, just the, you know, up to the top of the game and get some of the top clients? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, you know, at, at some point in my life, I had been studying high ticket and a mentor, and I, I, I use that term loosely because it was probably just a conversation in passing with someone I respected, um, basically said it, it requires just as much time, energy, and effort to sell a $10,000 product than it would a $100 product. Now, the approach might be slightly different, but the time, energy, and effort is the same. And at that time, that didn't quite connect in my brain. I couldn't make sense of what that actually meant. Um, But I figured if that's true, then I might be leaving a whole bunch of stuff on the table. And again, I don't know where I pick this up, but I teach it now. Um, that I believe if you're going to move into a market, I think there should be two things about that market that should be very kind of upfront and clear. And one is that it's an underserved segment of the market. So rather than serving an entire market, if you could serve an underserved segment of it, um, you know, the, the 20 percenters, if you will, you're going to be better off. Okay. So that underserved segment, that's the, the, the high end, the people who pay the most, or do you have another example for that? Yeah. Yeah. So the, 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 that would be kind of the second criteria. So the first criteria is underserved. The second, the second criteria is an affluent segment of that market. So uh, a good example of this is a, a, a good friend of mine that I know um, was an SEO practitioner, if you will. I don't know if anyone even remembers what SEO is, but if you do, uh, search engine optimization, that sort of thing. And so when he was looking at it, he's like, okay, well, um, I need to find an underserved yet affluent segment of the marketplace so that I could charge more fees for doing the same amount of work and getting even better results. Because that's another thing we found working with higher end folks is simply you can get better results with less effort, less work, and less headache. Um, So in this case, he said, I'm I'm great at SEO. Let me just see who I can serve. And long story short, he ended up serving uh, cosmetic surgeons in kind of the the California coast, the West Coast. And he goes, I'm going to pick every major city in the California uh, coast there. I'm going to go into each city, go after all of the cosmetic surgeons in that space and um, going to strike one deal with one person, charge them 10 or 15 grand a month for my services. He closed, I think, like 10 people in his first... um, 
you know, month at it or whatever. And he had a million dollar business literally overnight. Well, maybe in, in like 30 days or so. Um, so that when I'm thinking underserved um, and affluent, it's just people where there's not much competition. I'm kind of a big advocate of the blue ocean strategy, if you will. Again, I don't know that I read the book. You say once. you are an advocate or you are? I am. Yeah, oh, I, I just like yeah, the I idea. I love um, Yeah, I mean, it's so much easier to go into uncontested space than competing in a red ocean where you're competing against everybody. So in my scenario, I looked out into the marketplace and I saw a lot of these big name speakers, but because they were like old school original guys, right? They didn't have much of a social presence. Mm -hmm. Um, They did a lot of traditional media buying on newspapers and magazines and and Dean was famous for infomercials, for example. Um, So it was clearly underserved in the social Facebook space. Plus, it and my second criteria in that they were affluent. Um, there were folks that weren't going to penny pinch and we were just going to, you know, make that happen. So I said, well, how do I, how do I get to them? How do I go from small time to big time? How can I make an offer they couldn't refuse? And this was essentially my offer. I made this list of like everybody that I want to work with. Um, I pinpointed a few that I thought I could have like a second or a third degree separation from that someone might be able to make an intro for me. Um, and I made them an offer I, they couldn't refuse. And essentially the offer was this. It's, hey, this is what I could do for you. This is my cost to do it. But you only have to pay me after you get results. Yeah. And, and I think that's an important offer because some people are like, hey, man, let me just kind of do something for free for you. And then if it works out, give me a great testimonial. I think that's cool, but it's undervaluing your actual effort. I think there's more respect when you say, look, I charge a lot of money for what I do. But – you don't have to pay me until it's actually worth every penny and more. And I love um, the fact that you said, "Here's what it, here's when you said, here's what I do, and here's what it costs to do it." Do you mean, were you framing that as here's what it normally costs to do it, or these are my costs to do it? No, no, sorry, yeah. So this is like this is what it's going to cost you to have me do it for you. Oh, okay, cool. Right, and and um, but and then you so- took that away. You said, okay, let's just say, here's I'm gonna I'll get you the leads using Facebook. Um, I charge $10,000. You tell me if, if I'm wrong, if I'm missing this up. Yeah. But instead of that, you're only going to pay me after I get results. Exactly. So gotcha. it's, it's, I'm going to generate leads for you on Facebook. We're going to fill the top of your funnel with that. My fees are, let's say, 10 grand a month to do so. Let's do this for 30 days. Um, but you don't pay me at the beginning, which is how I usually get paid. Yep. Uh, you'll pay me at the end after you've gotten the results or the results that I'm saying that I can get for you. Um, Fortunately, that worked in my favor. Uh, you know, two of the five people that I reached out to said yes to that offer. Um, you know, the second step is actually now producing the results. And fortunately, we hit some home runs for people, uh, grand slams for certain people. Uh, and then it just became this wild, wild west of them telling everybody. Referrals. Yeah, and referrals from people like that are just huge. Yeah, I mean, at that level, what we realized is, again, there's no amount of marketing that's going to get you into the front door of any one of these organizations. Uh, these organizations operate strictly on um, associations. Hey, I do you know someone who can help me with this? And if they know, and that's where my name continued to come up over, and it continues to come up over and over and over again, which has put us in a, in a really good place. That's awesome. So I want to get down in a minute down to the uh, nitty-gritty details that people sure. – and by people, I mean me, can walk away with. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And, uh, like, I don't know what they're doing, you know, right? So, But I know that uh, I always like to take action on the advice that my guests give me. But um, one of the things, because I'm, I'm on your website and I was looking at it before, one of the things I love that you're doing, just give you some marketing props. Uh, I love how you take ownership of certain names, like contextual congruence. <laughs> yes. I know what that is, but I love you got a trademark on that. And it like just from a marketing standpoint, little uh, virtual fist bump to you. Nice. Thank you. Very cool. As well as the other, the like preeminent positioning profile, Ascension Accelerator, and micro market maximizer. I know exactly what you're doing. I think it's awesome, but I want you to explain what some of these are. So, you know, what is contextual congruence? What is preeminent positioning profile? How can we use them? So, and let's use that in a case like, like, so for me, I'm a, uh, I am sitting down across from you and I'm a prospective client and you're telling me, all right, Nick, what's, what makes you different? What, what do you bring to the table that I can't just go hire Joe Schmo Facebook advertiser out there for? 
Yeah. Well, there's a couple of ways I, I, w- I would kind of approach that. But if we're kind of going to stay consistent with the theme of like some of these things that I've named, mm-hmm. um, what I would essentially say is, you know, what we're the best in the world at really is direct response marketing on a social platform. And that is, in fact, an oxymoron to a certain degree. Because <laughs> yeah. um, and, and here's where the idea of contextual congruence came up. And it's basically this idea that you want to remain congruent with the context of the platform that you're playing on. So I like to tell it via a story um, because it's, it's kind of half true and then I kind of mix my own little jazz into it. But essentially what I, you know, what I have people do is I have them picture – uh, a family barbecue. So it's it's you're in Southern California. It's a nice evening. You have your family over. You're catching up on the latest gossip. You've got the burgers on the on the grill. It's Southern California only grass fed organic burgers, by the way. A- absolutely <laughs> right with quinoa salad, yes, quinoa kale, and uh, sunshine and rainbows. <laughs> exactly. So now you know you're in Southern California. Um, you're you're going through this kind of experience. You're just catching up. It's a great time. All that's happening. You're drinking your your matcha green tea, ice, whatever, whatever else is going on there. Um, and then all of a sudden, some dude kind of like blasts through the backyard door. He then walks over to the hamburger grill, grabs a burger, dresses it, then comes into this like semi-circle that you have where you're catching up with your cousins and your best friends um, joins the conversation and as if that weren't bad enough he, he then turns around opens up his bag and tries to sell you a vacuum cleaner and you're thinking what the fuck are you doing like yeah. this is you'd be pissed off i would be pissed, everybody would be pissed off um but the question is why would you be pissed off and i think it's because of three reasons number one dude wasn't invited number one number two um, you don't need a vacuum cleaner and he's trying to sell you something you don't need. And thirdly, let's say you did need it. Let's say you were the one in 10,000 people who at that very moment did need a vacuum cleaner. The, re- the reality is that wasn't the time nor the place to sell me one. Maybe if I was at a trade show or a convention or some sort of a like flea market, whatever, f- whatever going on, maybe there, but here was not the place, uh, the time nor the place. And yet people so, – so people hear this story and they're like, yeah, that's absolutely ridiculous. I would never do that, like whatever. But the reality is like the Facebook news feed is essentially the backyard barbecue. I mean we go on to news, news feeds to see what's going on with our friends, to catch up on the latest gossip, to see you know what's kind of trending in the world. It's where we get our news, et cetera, et cetera. And then all of a sudden some bloody marketer who has no idea who I am, who has no realization that I don't know – I don't want what they have – comes into my newsfeed with an ad trying to sell me something right off the spot. And essentially what we were creating with entrepreneurs and direct response marketers on a social platform, that is, is the kind of like the vacuum cleaner sales guy. And, And the point of contextual congruence is, look, if I were to go onto eBay this morning or Amazon this afternoon, I am going there with a buyer's intent. And that is a commerce-based platform. So for you to try to sell me something on those platforms makes absolute sense. There's no reason why you shouldn't. But nobody that I know wakes up in the morning, credit card in hand, logs onto Facebook and saying, I really wonder what I could buy today. I mean, that's a past thought. And so the idea behind contextual congruence is, he- is here, or, or maybe worded another way, like the number one fatal flaw that a lot of people make on Facebook as an advertiser is they try to sell first or they try to be the vacuum cleaner sales guy without realizing that Facebook is not a commerce-driven platform. It is a social platform. And unless you understand social behavior and unless you understand why people are on the platform and unless you're understanding everything that's going on from a user experience when they're on Facebook, unless you understand those things, you could get into a whole heap of trouble trying to sell something first. And so the idea, again, behind contextual congruence is simply this. Understand the context of the platform that you are on and stay congruent to the user behavior on that platform, and then it's hard to go wrong. If you break that rule, you're probably going to get into some trouble in some way, shape, or form to various degrees of severity. Cool. So give me an example, real world, of um, not, uh, like expert in whatever, you know, expert yeah. in marketing, expert in you know, teaching dogs to shake hands. It doesn't matter. Yeah. Um, you're a consultant. You're an expert. 
what is contextual? So there's obviously, hey, buy my stuff or yeah, boom, sign right. up to this webinar. I mean, do you go straight to webinar? Give me an example of a contextual, like the, the ad to the landing page, how that might feel under your guidance. Yeah, that's a great question. There's a couple ways to look at it, but I think the simplest way is realizing that the straight line is not always a straight line. And a great example of this, and what I mean by that is like if I'm trying to fill an event um, because I'm a marketer and I do marketing events, the straight line approach with, well, let's do an ad about the event to try and fill the event because that seems like it's the shortest path. Um, On Facebook, I will always say that there should be an intermediary step in between your final destination. And so I'll give you a real-life example. One of my clients, really good friends, amazing business coach, a guy by the name of Taki Moore, a coach marketing machine Mm -hmm. out in Australia. Um, and he was in a scenario where, uh, we won't mention any names, but before he met me and before we kind of hung out, he had hired uh, another Facebook advertising agency to fill these events for him in order because at the events is really where he sells his big ticket items. So he hired them on, they went for the straight line approach and they promoted the event. And in short, they ended up spending $80,000 in approximately 30 days to try and fill these events. Um, they, they did do their best. And when I say fill, we're talking about between 50 and 100 people. We're not talking about thousands. Um, they, they got about 50 people or so. Um, long story short, it took about a year or so and they can't even track it back to the ads to try and recover the costs that were involved in that ad spend. Ouch. Yeah, not fun. He was pissed. This was a well-known name in the Facebook space. I mean, he literally wrote the book on mm-hmm. Facebook advertising. Um, and it just made Taki like a little bit gun-shy, a little bit upset, a little bit jaded about the space. So when he came to me, he's like, look, I know I should be utilizing Facebook, but I'm, I'm like really not comfortable um, with what happened. And so like, can we take this slow and like think through a process that'll work for me? So this is the process that we walk through. I said, well, definitely we're not going to promote your event on Facebook. That's going to get you dismal results because that's the straight line approach. That's trying to sell something right off the bat. Instead, let's look at your target audience and let's kind of discover through a process what are the, you know, the greatest pain points or the greatest aspirations of your clients that we can help solve. And then how can we take an asset of yours that is unique to you and present that to the audience in order to kind of build rapport. In other words, kind of like list building or a lead magnet type approach, but again, where you're much more positioning yourself as an expert authority and simultaneously providing value before going for the jugular. So in this case, we identified that he has this fantastic process that he calls the triage call. And what most people in the coach consultant space is they try to get somebody on a 45-minute quote-unquote strategy session, which is really a a, a hidden sales call to sell them into a higher-tier program. What he has found is he has this really cool process called a triage call. And just like if you go to the emergency room at a a hospital, they're going to triage you first. They're going to determine – they're going to take your vitals, determine what's wrong with you, and then decide the best course of action for you. So he implemented this thing that he calls a triage call. It's nine minutes long. You hop on the call. You determine what – Person's nine minutes or nine? nine no, nine minutes long. Oh wow! Uh, and basically, the calls to determine: Can I help you? Yes or no. If the answer is yes, we're going to schedule that strategy session call. If it's no, I'm going to either point you in another direction or let you know that I can't help you. But this way, I don't waste mine or my salespeople's time. But then I, at the same time, I don't have to expect you to go through this really long, complicated funnel before we end up getting on the phone. Uh, does, do, do you know, did he do a, que- a like a long questionnaire survey form before the triage call? Uh, not a long one, but a short one. And ask yeah, okay, yeah, cool. a handful of questions just to kind of provide some perspective around the call. Yeah. No, I love that. I, I really do. And I, I take... You know, when I do these, I take like my first calls, you know, they're not, I love the nine minute triage aspect to it because really at the end of the day, I, I can't help everybody. And if I can't, I'll, I'm going to get off the phone, not waste your time and, you know, as well as you not waste mine. So I think that's, that's brilliant. So c- continue on. So he has the triage call. Yeah, so it's a brilliant win-win. I don't know anybody else in the industry who does it, so I like this because it was kind of like quote-unquote proprietary to him. He's mm-hmm. got a sexy name to it. He calls it the triage call. Yep. Um, and so we said, okay, well, I think that this is a need because essentially what the triage call has helped him to do and help his team to do is go to a 71 to 90% closing ratio on anyone who gets to the second call. 
Um, and so this is a need. This is a true need in the marketplace if you're a coach consultant because usually you're wasting time with tire kickers. You're wasting time with objections. You're wasting time with all this other stuff on your typical strategy session call. So he identified that to be an issue. We're going to provide a solution. I said, well, you know what? Can you package this triage call? Can you tell all the questions to ask in it, the right positioning to take into like a four or five page downloadable PDF? He said, absolutely. So he said, now we know what we're going to serve your marketplace with. So the long and short of it is we ended up crafting together a campaign that offered this lead magnet, um, which was called the triage call in exchange for a name and an email address. And it put him in a very, very simple funnel. And here was a simple funnel. Number one, you request the download. That download is then emailed to you. But instead of delivering it to you on the thank you page, what we do on the thank you page is make what I call a, 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 a godfather offer. And a godfather offer is basically an offer that you can't refuse. And we're going to also, at the same time, make a god, uh, uh, an offer they can't refuse and also take it away from them to actually add even further urgency or scarcity to it. So this was it. Basically, they got the triage call offer. There was a, a, a video on the thank you page that I scripted. There's like nine elements to this video that go in a very specific order to kind of set up the offer properly so it doesn't feel like too douchey or too vacuum cleaner sales guy-ish. Um, and, and long and short of it is you may, he made an offer for a discounted offer that was available only for 24 hours to join him at his next live event. Now, here's how this whole thing played out. Basically, from this offer, he generated uh, 66 people to attend the live event that he did. And that was his average. He expected between 50 and 100. So we got 66. Not bad. But of this 66, now it cost us $1,853 and some odd cents. I don't remember the exact number, but $1,853 and some odd cents to get those 66 people into his live event. Now, a little bit better than 80,000. A little bit. Now, here's the clincher, and here's the best part, and here's what I love to brag about. And keep in mind, disclaimer here, you know, this, your, your results may not be the same, and these are not typical. Um, but that being said, he got 66 people into the event. Of the 66, because he does such a killer job at doing this two-day event, providing great value, making an awesome offer, 32 people enrolled in his program. Oh wow! Now, now, the the event you say cost how much to go? Like uh, it cheap? was a, it's it's a two hundred dollar thing, okay, and he cool. made it available for ninety seven dollars, so like kind of like an OTO one time offer right there on the thank you page, gotcha. um, which kind of gives that little bit of urgency, and then we take it away and say, look, it's ninety seven dollars. We just met. I don't know you. You don't know me. Let me meet you halfway. Um, nice. I'll buy I'll buy half of your ticket. You buy the other half, and I'll see you at the live event, like uh, which is beautiful positioning, by the way. And we can delve deeper into that if we wanted to. Mm -hmm. um, so they bought the ticket for half price. That price was only available for 24 hours. They showed up at the live event. 66 people showed up. 32 people were enrolled into his program. His program is an $18,000 coaching program. So you do the math. It was $578 or $576,000 in revenue from an $1,853 ad spend. All because... The only difference we did between this and the last, well, not the only difference, but the major difference that we implemented between the last time where he spent 80K and this time where he spent 1800 was applying the idea of the contextual congruence concept, where you're not going after the jugular right away. You're offering a little bit of value, just adding one intermediary micro-commitment step in between that process. Um, and of course, there's some other things we layered on top of that. But essentially, by adding that simple process in between, exponentially changed the results of what could have been, again, a really nasty campaign if we just went straight for you know the straight line approach, nice. And then the ad, like you said, for the Facebook, it just goes to the hey, listen, download this nine minute shortcut that signs up A grade clients, and it's called the triage call, and you can get it for free. Exactly. So it was just a really light offer. I mean, again, traditionally it is uh, it is uh, uh, like an opt in offer. Yep. Um, uh, but again, it's positioned in such a way where it's not really a take as much as it is a give. And as long as psychologically the person on the other end feels like they're getting the better be end of the bargain, um, it's a value place and they feel like they're getting something rather than giving something, which is the perfect psychological setup for like social direct selling. Yeah, absolutely. So that's awesome. That's, that is very contextually, you know, like you said, congruent, it's relevant and, um, and that, and that I can see completely how that works. I love what, how 
your expertise does not stop at Facebook ads and targeting. It's sure. really what happens throughout the entire ecosystem. You know, they're starting on Facebook. What's their mindset? How? What happens when they get to the page? Is it uh, congruent with what they were doing before? And then, like you said, you helped him script the uh, the video that frames the offer in right. the right way. So I can see that you are a a man of more than one tool. Well, at the end, yeah, at the end of the day, I think the reality is, and this is where a lot of people drop the ball on Facebook. And this is not to toot my own horn, but it's just to like show toot, the reality. Toot it. <laughs> the, 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 the reality is when you talk Facebook with anybody, to me, I, if, if Facebook could be called any other thing, it could be any other platform. Yeah. Um, to me, it's, you know, the proverbial iceberg analogy. 10% is above the surface. 90% is below. 90% is what really matters. 10% is kind of like the peripheral extra stuff. Um, and to me, in, in the Facebook online lead generation world, Facebook the the 10% above the surface is basically tactics it's how do i bid it's it's the proper campaign structure it's it's like the ad copy and all that kind of stuff and i think that is uber uber important i'm not taking anything away from that but that's only important um, you know, if it's falling on the shoulders of the other 90%. I mean, if you don't have the other 90% in place, and that's where we're talking about, you know, uh, contextual congruence, that's where we're talking about social psychology, that's understanding positioning and all that other stuff. Once you have that in place, then the 10%, the little tweaks are going to matter. But if you don't have that other stuff in place and you're just focusing on tactical stuff, yes, you may get a few results. But in my opinion, you know, tactics create sales, strategies build businesses. Um, so we want to be really kind of like honed in on the strategy before we deploy any of the tactics on whatever platform we choose to use at the current time. Absolutely. On the um, when it comes to the ads and targeting, do you think, um, or not? Do you think? But what has your experience been with um, you know the video ads, mm-hmm. gen ads, and some of the newer ad? Uh, even canvas ads and some of the new things that Facebook has made available. Have you done a lot with those? Have you seen one thing conclusively one way or another? Yeah, we have. And again, I don't think they're, I mean, I think everyone's looking, I think the problem with the marketplace is a, everyone's looking for the next shiny object. Of course. Um, And then, uh, you know, B, everyone's looking for like the newest tip and trick and, and how that's all going to work. So what we have found, and, and, and again, I, I, I think there are rules and I think there are exceptions to rules. Like I think they're rules, rules of thumb rather than rules like commandments. Mm-hmm. Um, so yes, video ads right now, if you want to get great brand exposure, if you want to get, you know, viral, viral, virality, if you want to get like cheap views and all that kind of stuff, I think video ads are fantastic. Um, if they go head to head against a traditional kind of like image based newsfeed ad for lead gen purposes, they don't even come close, generally speaking. Um, what I found is most people aren't even good on video. So if you're not good on video, then hell, like avoid the video ad. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. The video, a lot of people say, well, teach me how to do video. Well, it's not just, it's, <laughs> you might suck at video. So <laughs> we could do everything else the same way. Somebody doesn't like the way you look. Yeah, on that note, the, the, the whole other thing is like, you know, uh, people ask me all the time, well, is like the webinar the best way to convert clients? Well, if you're, you like kick ass on webinars, yeah, yes. but if you suck, uh, no. I mean, so it's, it's not a, it's not only one way to go, but here's, here's the mentality that anyone needs to understand when they go into something. Um, you know, your cold prospects, so we're not talking about warm prospects, but someone who doesn't know who you are and can't separate you from Adam. That person is looking, unfortunately, it's the world we live in today, that person is looking for every reason to say no to you, any reason. And so if your audio crackles in your video at the wrong point, or you're wearing the wrong color shirt, or your team that's being represented on the hat you're wearing is something that they hate, or the background is ugly, like literally anything to say no, they're going to find that reason. So we're looking to like minimize resistance at all costs. And oftentimes video ads, you know, cause resistance for all the things we mentioned. Um, lead ads, you know, conceptually, great idea. Click one button, opt in. But to me, what we're finding for, for lead ads is, again, is can you get cheaper leads 100%? Because from a user resistance flow standpoint, it's so much easier to, to operate on. 
do those leads convert into sales? Traditionally, what we've seen, the answer is no. And so there's always this fine balance of, well, how do I get good, qualified, cheap leads, but how do I make sure that those leads are most apt to convert rather than just building a list of no nonsense, you know, a nonsense group of people who don't really want anything that I have to offer. Um, so yeah, video ads are cool if they're done right. I like to use them much more for kind of like branding or positioning or retargeting more than I do straight up lead generation. And lead ads are great, again, if you're going after a mobile audience, but you just want to watch the numbers to see are they actually converting into sales or do they just like clicking buttons. Right. Do, has Facebook changed anything in your experience with um, going straight from ad to squeeze page? Yeah, cool with that. Yeah, I hear that happen all the time, and the answer is no, as long as the landing page is compliant. Right. Um, yeah. And that's a big as long as because most people, you know, we're taught in the internet marketing world that a good high converting squeeze page is one that has like the least amount of things on it. It has a box to fill out information, a button, and a headline. Um, those traditionally in the past work really well. On Facebook, you'll get banned tomorrow for doing that sort of thing. So. Yes, straight to lead pages. We run probably 80% of our traffic straight to lead pages um, or opt-in pages. Um, as long as they're compliant, they work wonderfully. And then about 20 or 30% of our traffic would go to some sort of uh, a content piece first that we would then retarget. Pixel, pixel and, and then retarget them. Yeah. And are, are you subscribing to that as well, that right now getting the pixel is as important, if not more important, than getting the uh, the email address? I think the pixel is uber important, and I think the pixel allows you to mimic activities that you could do if you captured the actual email address. So, mm -hmm. like, we can literally push someone through a funnel without ever getting their email address, which I think is cool. Yep. Um, but from a lead gen standpoint, what we've actually come up with, and i got to come up with a better name because I'm on a track with some really good names, and this name just sucks. <laughs> um, but it's like a crossbreed between a landing page and content. And I, I mean, I've been calling it now a value-first landing page. But essentially, it's a piece of content that has tons of great value, but embedded into the content are four distinct ways to capture a lead. So we're not just going for the pixel play. We are going for the lead gen play, but we're doing it in a way where we're leading with the content rather than with the promise. So I found one. I may have to put this in the show notes or send it to you offline. And I did a, uh, I did a podcast about this mm. that was, um, oh, I think it was... Um, it was a native ad, okay, right, and it was amazing. Like uh, I'm actually looking for it on the Google machine here on my on my website. I was like, this is a perfect, a great example, and I will shoot this to you here in a moment. Um, but we, I mean, we won't go over it on the call because people can't see it and they'll be like, huh. <laughs> but what was great is, yeah, they they it got you there to uh, a page, and there's so many things going on, like different ways that they can either take you to, you know, capture your lead or just do something else with you. And it, mm -hmm. But it was, it, it looked like a blog page. Right. It wasn't, but it wasn't just a fake blog. It was right. content, but all the other little things were so strategically placed. I was like, this is brilliant. And this is, mm -hmm. I think they're part of Agora. So, you know, they're the big money. So they know what they're up to. They yeah. know what they're doing. Um, that's awesome. Are you finding any... Are you are, are you finding any certain targeting strategies are working better than others? I mean, targeting is probably the most complex and confusing part of Facebook advertising only because there's infinite ways to do it. Right. And you sit down there, it's almost like starting with a blank page. This is what I hate. I don't run a lot of my own Facebook ads, so like I'll do some of the basics if I'm just testing some crap out. Yeah. Otherwise, I'll hire it done. Um, but I hate sitting there. It's just like sitting in front of a blank piece of paper for sales copy. <laughs> yeah. Going, um, where do I start the targeting stuff? What do you, uh, what you, what's your process there? Yeah. So it's, it's, it's an interesting conversation because the beauty of Facebook, it lets you like micro target. And I think we live in a world where we're gone past mass marketing into micro marketing. Right. And the idea of micro targeting or laser targeting is ideal. But what we are in the business of doing is not just micro targeting. We also have to figure out how to target, but also how to scale. And so the, problem with micro-targeting is let's say I'm going after like people who live in, in downtown San 
San Diego who happened to be male between the ages of like 26 and 45 who just watched the last episode of Game of Thrones. I mean, that is a really good niche target and you could probably do some damage with it. But the problem is you're going to run out of that audience like that. So how we basically approach targeting, and again, we can get very specific, but let's just kind of, if, if I was having a conversation with someone starting out, I say... No, wait, uh, no, 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 pretend you're not having a conversation with somebody starting out. Screw all those people who are just starting out. I want to okay. Okay. Oh, well, so there's, there's a couple of different ways to do it. So one, of a, one great targeting strategy, for example, and this would be contingent upon – well, not, not even contingent upon you having a list. I call it kind of the reverse funnel strategy. It's not the only targeting we do, but it's a nice, cool little kind of way to do it. When you're originally starting out with any sort of a campaign, the success of that campaign is going to be heavily contingent upon your ad copy and your performance and your targeting. So you need to have that really, really dialed in so you can start generating leads and start what we call seasoning your pixel. Um, does that terminology make any sense it to you? Sure do I need it? Okay. So we start seasoning your pixel with really, really kind of specific targeting, lowest hanging fruit type targeting, so we can train the pixel to get really good and clear about understanding who it is that you're going after. Now, once you start getting that pixel seasoned, you can open up your targeting and get very broad, and the goal is, as soon as humanly possible, to make your targeting as broad as possible, meaning U.S., men between the ages of 28 and 65 and then you rely on the season pixel now to do most of the heavy lifting for you so how can you do that in a way that kind of makes sense well there's a reverse funnel methodology that we can use and we start with kind of targeting we focus on the lowest hanging fruit so we identify some let's say influencers in your space we basically or I basically believe that no matter what industry you're in there are people collecting in tribes and of course every tribe has a tribal leader or an influencer. So if I can identify who the influencers are in the spaces that I'm going after, we're going to start with them and their fan base and then use a tool like Audience Insights, for example, to start expanding that out even further. Um, For the sake of this example, let's say Tony Robbins because we're in the personal development space. And those are both kind of big, big spaces and household names that everyone can know. So we'll kind of create a lead magnet campaign. Similar to how I explained with Taki, we're going to identify what's your positioning, what kind of asset can you offer to the marketplace to bring them a unique solution, and we're going to run ad campaigns um, to start generating leads at that point um, into as big of a funnel, like literally Tony Robbins is the audience. Um, within certain parameters there. Then, once that pixel has been seasoned to where we generate, let's say, a thousand leads, and I, I, I turn, use that term thousand because it's not so little, but it's, but it's big enough to get what we want done, we will take that, and if we want to, we'll create a lookalike audience around the thousand leads and this now seasoned pixel. And then we'll start running the same campaign, but we're going to now run it to this lookalike audience who is built off of our thousand leads. Now we're going to do that until we get a thousand customers. Once we've got a thousand customers, we're going to do the exact same process again. We'll create a lookalike audience, and now these are buyers lookalikes rather than leads lookalikes, and we're going to open it up as broad as we can again and go after this bigger but more specific audience that's going to end up continually generating greater leads at greater cost and higher conversions. And so that's an example of what I call reverse funneling, where we start broad, we generate a lookalike audience until we get a thousand leads, then we're going for a thousand customers, and we're going to do that whole same process again. Um, and it allows us to, to get some really, really good results using a very simple targeting strategy without kind of like pulling out our hair about you know who we're going to go after and how is it going to work and all that other stuff. Does that kind of make sense? No, that's awesome. And it's actually counter to what a couple of the – I've talked to some other people who did it the exact opposite, but I like what you're saying better. And I think right. it, it makes it makes more logical sense too. And um, I know that you know like sometimes I've heard going really, really broad and just letting, uh, you know, letting Facebook then tell you, okay, well, who are the type of people – clicking on this and then go after them. So they would do the shotgun approach and then right. kind of cherry pick it. But, um, and I think they were saying that you know, it's cheaper if you go wide because you're not using as many data points from Facebook, but you're also wasting a bunch of time and money. I know yeah. 
I've got, I, I just wouldn't go broad uh, and sorry for cutting you there, but okay. I would just, I wouldn't go broad until you kind of have a little bit of data. And the only reason why we talk about broad is because we want to talk about scaling. Like you want, Absolutely. you want, you want to have the ability to spend tons of money and generate tons of ROI for the next years to come rather than being stuck spending it for the next month and thinking, Oh man, I just ran out of my audience now. Yeah, exactly. And I know this has been one of the things that I'm trying to tackle recently. Uh, especially and not, not nothing to do with coaching and strategy like I have a my wife and I we have a a coffee brand a national coffee brand via e-commerce we sell on uh, you know our own Shopify store as well as Amazon right now nice. and it's a um, it is a it's a blue ocean it is a uh, it's called stiletto coffee it is okay. 100% it is the only coffee marketed towards women hmm. There is now people say why why is it marketed towards women? Does it like help them lose weight? And I said it's guaranteed to help them lose weight. If the caffeine in their system wakes them up and then they decide to go to the gym and then they decide <laughs> to eat healthy, they will guarantee to lose weight. Right. So it is kind of built it has been called the sexiest coffee brand in the country. It's love it. It's very sexy packaging. It nobody else is selling coffee to the demographic and the psychographic we are. Everybody else is selling their beans. We're zigging, they're zagging. And, uh, we think we've got, we've got a first mover advantage there. That's uh, awesome. Thanks. And, and then the, what's cool is, I mean, it's the, the, uh, audience there is, um, it's, you know, driven, professional, classy, sassy women, probably, you know, typically probably into some personal development. They obviously sure. love coffee and, um, and, you know, ideally premium coffee. Maybe they're into fashion because it's got that whole stiletto coffee, right? So, and I, conceptually thinking like, okay, I think I have some ideas of who to go after. So I've been going after women who like coffee, but also like certain fashion brands, but then women who like coffee or, and you can even go towards the buyer profiles to say they are, you know, beverage coffee buyers. Mm, right. I don't know how effective that is. I've only dabbled in this so far, but, um, but I'll say they like them and then they like all these various personal development gurus. Like, right. you know, they like, they like coffee. They like Marie Forleo. They like, sure. you know, all these other people. And I'm going into some other ones. Uh, I haven't gone much deeper than that. And as I sit there, I'm going, uh, this is so tedious that <laughs> it drives me crazy. But I, yeah. I like that's where, you know, people like you come in. I mean, first of all, it, do you think that based upon what I just told you, the really preliminary thing that that's the right thing to do is take little segments there and just see, if I can start to get traffic. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it, I would even see if you can go even a slight bit broader. Like, so just go after like women, people who, you know, women who like coffee to start and just see what the Facebook data is going to tell you. Because once okay. you run that for a little bit, you're going to start to see reports. And once you start seeing the reports, it's going to say, okay, well, you know, this is what you're seeing. This is the age group that's responding best to you. And this is why. And depending on what your acquisition cost is. So let's say you can spend, you know, I'm not sure how much a, a hey, bag not, of coffee costs. Not much, baby. Their margins are crap. Yeah, well, I can imagine. So, you know, let's say uh, 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 a bag of coffee costs 20 bucks, and, you know, your takeaway from that is whatever, 10 bucks or 5 bucks or whatever let's just, it be. Let's just call it double. Okay, let's call it double. Plus so let's say it's. Yeah, let's say it's 10 bucks and so you can spend, you know, depending on if you have a like a solid lifetime value kind of process in the back of this, let's say you could spend like 50% of that. So let's say acquisition is 5 bucks. Mm-hmm. Um just for the sake of easy numbers cuz I'm terrible at math. Uh, yeah. Yeah, you know what I would do is first start broad and see what my acquisition cost is going to be because if I can keep my acquisition cost under $5 with really broad audiences, i.e. coffee drinkers who are women, that means I can scale the hell out of this puppy and never have to think about it ever again, mm-hmm. um, which is what my first goal would be. Now, if I'm, let's say, just going like really broad like this and I'm noticing, well, wait a second, my acquisition cost is closer to $8 or $11, then it means I need to tweak something. And that's where you might want to start either doing like the reverse funnel type thing we talked about. That's where you might want to layer on other interests. That's where you may want to look at the reports and say, well, wait a second, majority of these people who are buying the coffee are actually you know, between the ages of 32 and, and 40. Um, so you would set up a campaign specifically Trust to them. them. 
Right. And then you'd figure out, okay, those guys are winning. I'm going to let those be. But the other pool here that's not winning, now I'm going to figure out how do I layer um, you know, audiences, whether they be Marie Forleo and coffee drinkers or they read Entrepreneur Magazine and they're coffee drinkers or maybe it's more like they read Vanity Fair or you know, one of these other like Cosmo and their coffee drinkers just to start tapping in to see who is going to be responding better right. than others. Okay, so you're not going super-duper hyper-specific and narrow in the very very beginning you're going somewhat specific then you're then you're watching what they tell you then you're you're going narrow I yeah, you're you. going narrow only uh, only if you see that you're not getting your acquisition cost um, if if you're getting your acquisition cost and you're happy with it then you can remain as broad as possible because again that gives you the ability to kind of like scale out and spend more and not worry about you know uh, running out of people to reach very cool so man this is this has been really helpful are you know, you do um, like your team. Like you got, is it? Are you a one man show? I don't think so. But you've got a like you because you have an agency aspect, right? Like you you do some done for you. Basically, what's it like to either work with you or learn from you? Yeah. Uh, well, thanks for the awesome setup in terms of talking about what we do. Yep. Um, so from from an agency model, like we've been fortunate enough to get to this place where. Um, you know, we we will only take on done for you clients if you come through one of two channels: either a a strategic partner, and that could be someone like yourself, let's say, or a current um, client of ours. And so we've ceased like a referral all referral from a current client. Yeah. Correct. Yeah. So we've ceased all marketing with regards to our done for you stuff. Uh, either strategic partners or current clients are going to introduce us to people. Yep. Um, and we don't have uh, we do have a bandwidth. So in terms of we we are a boutique. And we only work with 20 clients at any given time. Um, and we make sure you know that they meet certain criteria. Now, the criteria isn't like all that complicated. Really, we want to hit a home run for you in month one. And the way that we can assure that to happen is if you have a kind of a sales funnel or an, a process that you know that is working, but you just need to light this thing on fire and get some optimization and tweaking from someone like myself and our team, then we'll take you on. We'll analyze your funnel. We'll analyze the situation. I'll give you an honest opinion of, yes, we can knock this out of the park for you, or yes, we could if these changes are made first, or no way in hell we can make this work for you based on the expectations you're telling me. Let me refer you to someone who you might have a better shot with. Um, so based on whichever, you know, three of those categories they fit into, we would end up working with them, um, and kind of doing a fully managed Facebook advertising done for you A to Z. Don't lift a hand. We take care of the whole kit and caboodle. Mm -hmm. Now, do they typically have to, I mean, is there a sweet spot on the minimum amount that they're budgeting to spend per month? Yeah, that's a great question. And the answer to that is no. I know a lot of agencies say like, well, and the reason why they say that honestly is because they're taking a percentage of ad spend. Um, so most agency models, hey, we'll charge you a percentage of ad spend. Yeah. So they so like you got to spend twenty five grand a month. So they're at least walking away with you know five grand or twenty five hundred or whatever they charge. Um, for us, I don't really care how much you spend. What's more important is that you know your numbers, yeah. so that we basically can bake in and guarantee. And I say that in quotes, but we yeah. can literally bake in and guarantee ROI. Because let's say you came to me and said, Nick, my if if I can acquire customers for under five dollars. You have carte blanche with my credit card. You could spend as much as you want because I know I'm going to be profitable every single day of the year. Um, then all my job is is to make sure that I'm acquiring customers under $5 for you. Um, so for us, it's never a matter of like, hey, I only have 15 grand a month to spend. Um, you know, can we make that work? It's like, look, if you know your numbers, you tell me what your acquisition or your lead generation costs are. We make sure we let you know if that's possible or not. If it is possible, we'll do it at whatever budget you can afford. So it doesn't even really matter. We have some people spending five grand a month. We have other people who are spending uh, 90 grand a day. So, <laughs> Damn. I mean, it's, yeah, it's all Damn. all over the board. So are you, uh, now that, did you say you get, or maybe you didn't, uh, do you get paid then a flat fee or is it a percentage of results? Because it doesn't yeah. sound like you get paid a uh, 
uh, percentage of ad spend. Correct. So we do get paid uh, a flat fee mm-hmm. uh, for ninety nine percent of our clients. Okay, cool. Um, it just seems to work best. You know, we get paid, they get paid, everybody's happy. I've had people in the industry tell me, "Well, you should be charging a a lot more, or you should be doing a percentage model." Look, at the end of the day, I don't want to penalize my clients for spending more. If they want to spend yeah. more, it's the same amount of work for us. So True. spend more, spend less. We're not going to like penalize you and and pretend that it's more work because you're spending more money. Yeah, I've never really like that whole percentage of ad spend only because I know it's not creating necessarily much more work for you. You're right. just moving the budget up. Like, right. <laughs> hey, let's right. duplicate this uh, ad over here and put more money on it. Like, should you really get paid twice as much money? Yeah. And the answer for the most part is no. I mean, scaling is an art in and of itself. Um, like you can't approach a $100,000 a day ad spend the same you would uh, like a 5K a month ad spend. But proportionally, you're, you're right. I mean, I'm not going to charge that person 20% or 30% of ad spend um, just because they're spending more when I know from a bandwidth and, a, and a, you know, an execution standpoint, it's going to require this much work of us. Right. Uh, so 90% and why I say 99% of the people fit into that category is because every month, once a month, we'll also take on a launch client. So someone who has a hard start and stop date for a product that they're launching, uh, we'll take on one of those and those clients we do a percentage of revenue share that's cool. uh, and that's because we know that it's going to be a home run and we're going to make money and they're going to make money and it's everyone. also a lot of work on a launch it's a hell of a lot of work yeah yeah and it's and it's very time-based it's like a deadline based like go 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 so yeah launches love them and i hate them they put several years of age on you <laughs> by far for sure and and it taxes our team heavily and so that's why we can only do you know once a month for that so that's kind of the done for you side sorry do we gonna no i was gonna say so but you also do live events and workshops right like an intensive you call it implementation intensive yeah so on the consulting side there's kind of like three major streams uh major stream number one is usually where we like to get people to start um and that's our two day intensives and we call them a two day intensive. I hate to use the word workshop or boot camp because that's not what it is. Mm-hmm. One of my biggest frustrations with the kind of the information space and the kind of live event space is you go you get fire hosed with amazing information which is amazing but you leave with like this notebook full of notes of things you got to implement and the reality is you never implement them um there's just too much stuff to do you get caught up you enjoyed the the joys of meeting new people but the actual implementation side of it is a bloody mess so what my promise to anyone who attends our event is this you show up with whatever you have and you leave with at least 90 percent of your entire facebook marketing funnel done and completed by the time you walk out that door so all you need to do is press the green go button best case scenario or worst case scenario a couple of touch-ups and little you know minor things here and there before you hit the green go button but the idea is you show up you roll up your sleeves people hate me by the end of it but they love me because they've never worked so hard <laughs> on their business and i thought two- i was just coming here to learn and learn something. yeah exactly and they're like oh my god i can't believe i got this all done but then they love me when it's all done because it's there and they literally press go and they see results in a matter of hours. So that's a beautiful thing. So those are our two-day intensives. Um, And then we have what we call like our one-off accelerator days. So companies will hire me to fly out to them, spend an entire day with it. Well, entire day. That's six hours with them to customize a lead generation approach and consult with them in the process. Um, And then we also have uh, like a consulting program or an advisory program. So I'm not a coach by any means. I think I make a terrible coach, but I think I make a pretty darn good advisor. Um, And so, yeah. And so we have this ongoing approach where, you know, you can basically bring me on as like a pseudo CMO. I don't like to use that word, but really a marketing advisor where you get calls with me regularly every month. We go over your stuff. I work with your team to make sure that it's implemented properly. Um, and that's kind of the, the consulting arm of it. So if we you're have looking to get more of one type of client, um, realistically, like what, if, if you had to give up all of those from the intensives to the, uh, done for you, I mean, accelerators, whatever, advisors, what, what would you love to have just more of? What would make your life just like, oh, this is awesome and easy? 
Well, I think from a delivery standpoint, results standpoint, and scaling standpoint, the intensives are really quite amazing. I mean, we can put, and we limit it to 16 to 20 people, we can put 16 to 20 business people in a room and get them results instantly. It also satisfies like my need and desire to teach and train and advise while simultaneously doing a little implementation at the same time. It's fun, right? It's, it's, oh, and it's tons of fun, and it, it allows me to leave Toronto and come to Southern California. Um, so, Absolutely. like... From an everything standpoint, you know, if we could only do intensives and scale them up, that would probably be something that we do. Um, but every element serves a different kind of person, so they're all they're all quite fun. I love it. Well, where can people go to um, learn more about all of those? And they're like, dude, this Nick guy really is the master of Facebook lead generation. I gotta see what else he's doing. What's yeah. The best place? Well, so there's a couple things. Like if you want to connect with me on a personal level, Facebook is the easiest way to do that. Um, I am fortunately the only Nicholas Kuzmich on the planet or at least on Facebook, which to me is the planet. Um, So I'm really easy to find. You can find me, add me as a friend and we'll like definitely connect there. Um, So that's on a personal level. If you want to know what we do from a business side, NicholasKuzmich.com, totally an unbrandable name. I realize that. (laughs) And hard to spell. You got to get a short one that forwards to that. I know. I got to figure. I'm the same way. Up. I've got like Brad Costanzo. First one's yeah. easy. Second one's always gets misspelled. But yours, yours takes the cake. I know. So I gotta, I gotta figure out. I gotta call it something different. But for now, it's Nicholas Kuzmich and I C H O L A S K U S M I C H dot com. That's like all things business there. Um, we have a fantastic free Facebook group called Facebook Marketing Mastery. Um, it's got about 6,000 people in there, really smart, intelligent Facebook marketers and a great community of people who support. And I'll jump in there several times a day and, and lend a helping hand to anyone who's got issues or have questions. So that's cool. Um, I got a free training called Behind Closed Doors, the Behind Closed Doors Workshop. It's a 40-minute summarized training of cool. stuff that I typically offer behind closed doors at high-level mastery. Masterminds. It's kind of a summary of that. If someone wants that, you can get that. Um, it, it is an opt-in, so full disclaimer here. It is an opt-in, and you will be added to my list, but you'll only get information randomly every so often from me because I'm a terrible writer yeah. and a terrible email marketer. Um, you don't make your money from email marketing. You're, exactly. It's like, uh, I make my money doing this other stuff. You'll get it when I got something to say. Which is which is which is not often. So, like, if you want to hear from me regularly, it's not the thing to opt into. But if you don't mind once in a while some great nuggets, then that's a place you can get that at Nick's blog. N i c s b l o g. See, there's an See, attempt. That's easy. Easier. Yeah. yeah Absolutely. Smurfly. There you I go. love it. Well, Nick. dot com slash uh, slash secret, and you can get that there. So, yeah, a whole bunch of places. Cool. I'm just Nick's blog. dot com slash secret. Yeah. Awesome. Well, man, I really appreciate you taking the time for me to jump on here and uh, pick all the sizzling hot business advice. Well, hopefully there was some bacon in there. Bacon wrapped Nick. Absolutely. Uh, man, this has been really great. I look forward to staying in contact with you, connecting with you, and um, seeing if there's, uh, you know, whether meeting up with you in person, maybe we'll do some business together someday soon and you just never know but man i really appreciate you taking the time uh you know out of making all these other people money and come share this (laughs) stuff for free to all my bacon rat nation well man thank you it was an absolute pleasure honor to be here i'm uh, thanks for taking the time to to have me here with you all right how awesome was nick i am uh happy to have had him on the show i know you enjoyed it as well definitely go check that out but also remember what i said in the beginning of the show send me your favorite book recommendation to ask brad at baconwrapbusiness.com i'm dead serious pull out your phone if you're sitting on it and listening right now and type in ask brad at baconwrapbusiness.com subject line book send me a book recommendation if you do i will have your you will have my gratitude as well as any future guests you want to hear on the show. Um, if you are interested in any of the other events that I have coming up, like the Boardroom Mastermind, anything else, just feel free to let me know, and I am happy to give you more information on that. Guys, I appreciate your time and listening. If there's anything else I can do for you, let me know. Thanks for sharing the show and reviewing it on iTunes. All right, talk to you next time.